This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Olive Magazine podcast, your weekly roundup of all things food, drink and travel from the Olive Magazine team. My name is Alex, the Olive web editor, and I'll be your host for today. This week, we have a Northern special with Olive star baker Ed Kimber back on the show. Food director Janine catches up with Ed to talk about Christmas rituals, the wonder of eggnog, and the inspiration behind his new dessert recipes in our Christmas issue. Plus, I pop into the American bar at the Savoy to chat to bar manager Declan about the team's recent accolade of the best bar in the world at World's 50 Best Bar Awards. Declan lets us in on his secrets about how they bagged this top spot, shares cocktail trends for 2018, plus gives us tips on how to create the perfect cocktail trolley at home. First up, here's Janine and Ed. Okay, so today we've got the lovely Ed Kimber here. Hello. Hi, Ed. We're actually <laughs> at the end. It's 7 p.m. in the evening. Can hear my glass tinkling. Yeah. <laughs> I've just been out for a drink run. Um, we've been on a shoot all day, shooting an amazing feature for next year. Um, so you'll hear all about that mm. in the future. We're keeping it under wraps for now. Yeah. You might have seen Ed's stories <laughs> on Instagram Didn't today. see what it was. Didn't see no. what it was. Um, yeah, so I've just grabbed him to talk about the Christmas issue, which is out now. Yes. And Ed's got some gorgeous recipes in there. But I thought, first of all, like, let's talk about Christmas. How Do you run screaming from Christmas? Because you've already <laughs> done it a million times before well, you get there. I or? think it's quite funny because as someone who like is a food writer, you work on Christmas early. Yeah. So I think I started working Christmas this year in June. Yeah. Um, and for some years you work in it just that one month and it's a really nice tight month. Yeah. Um, but sometimes <clears> people, it gets dragged out. And this year, it feels like it has dragged out this year for feels six like months. <laughs> I feel like I've worked on Christmas half of this year. So. Do you feel like you just want to stay in bed on Christmas Day and just well, ignore it, it? It's funny because uh, because I kind of have multiple Christmases through work almost. Yeah. Um, Christmas has, since I've been doing this job, which is like seven, eight years now, yeah. Christmas is often a bit of an escape for me, <clears throat> um, which is funny. I think maybe it's different if you're a cook because I'm a baker. Um, I don't really do a lot of the cooking when I go home anyway. Okay. So for me, it's often my break. I love Christmas food and yeah. I love the traditions of it. And I love the whole kind of shebang with it. But I do love going home, doing nothing. Are you talking about going to your mom and dad's house? <laughs> and basically you're the one in your PJs just kind of being handed a small well, glass is, of sherry at Yeah, 10 kind of, kind of. Um, <laughs> there's definitely the PJs and there's definitely a nice glass of champagne every now and again. <laughs> Um, I will do some, I do, do, I do get some baking. I get um, kind of pulled in to do the traditional, um, our family's tradition anyway, of making pancakes, kind of like American-style pancakes. Oh, on, for breakfast. I think we do those Boxing Day. How do you do Boxing Day? I think it's like Boxing Day or, yeah. or just one of the days just after. Mm. And to be honest, I kind of hate it. 
because I, I really don't like making pancakes for a lot of people. It's so boring. Like, I, I could never be a short order cook. Because like, you're on just the literally, you're just, just churning them out, aren't you? Yeah. yeah, and by the time you get to eat yours, everyone else is finished. And you've already, and you've already picked all of the failures. Yeah. So but basically, do you know what? They really like it. Yeah. So I'm happy to do it every year. So and for, that's on my little one. So like, for it's that not one hour, you're committed. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I it's so like, hard. It's so diva. much work. Um, I do normally get kind of... I normally end up doing some sort of baking <clears> because... Yeah. Uh, as much as I like kind of taking a break, my brain doesn't do that properly. So right. um, I always say that kind of when I finish work, uh, like my my work for other people yeah. in kind of early December, it's not that I'm not working, it's just that everything I'm doing is for me directly. Okay. Um, and so oftentimes it's when my experiment- experimentation kind of side of things comes out mm-hmm. because I suddenly have time to do all the stuff that I've so wanted to do. you've got a bit downtime because everyone else yes. has checked out and you're thinking Well, it's, about- it's like no, no one in publishing is working really over yeah. Christmas. It's, like, it's a much quieter period of time. Yeah. So I'm quite happy to... My brain, it's, it don't even plan on doing it, but I know I have a list of like five, six things that I'm desperate to get out of my head and into a recipe. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm really, I don't know when that happens, but at some point I'm like, oh, I'm just going to do this little mm. bit of baking. So occasionally when I go home for the holidays, I'll take a piece of equipment that I know I'll need. So this year it'll be my um, Portuguese custard tart tins because I have a method for how to make those that I want to try out that's been oh. in my head for six months that I think might work for making really nice ones at home. And also I want to replicate um, the Japanese like Hokkaido cheese tarts that I had in Japan. Oh, yeah. Which are, are those, so those, like, insanely super good. light ones? Yeah, yeah, and I got so close in my first test, but I haven't had time to retest them. So I'm hoping over Christmas I'll be able to kind Some of knock those out and holiday. finish them. A little bit, but I kind of, I don't get as much time to kind of a free experimentation mm. when I'm working. So having a bit of free time just to kind of literally play for playing sake without it being for something is quite nice, for and does, sure. does your family go quite traditional at Christmas? Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, I don't think you could have probably more of a traditional Christmas than my family's, <laughs> which is really nice. Yeah, that is nice. Um, yeah, they, they do love their traditions. So there'll be, a, like, a proper old school but amazing trifle. Yeah. Um, there will be a Christmas cake, Christmas pudding, and then there will always be turkey. And if, if, if our family try and change something, someone in the family will be like, oh, but I really like the tradition. So it's pretty mm. traditional, And yeah. does your mum make the... It's my mum and dad normally, so they seem to have got the uh, cooking down to an art. Yeah. So, like, I'll lazily wake up on the day and I'll come downstairs and my dad's in his suit, bless him, because he wears oh, a suit on Christmas Day. I love that. Um, <laughs> and so everything will be prepped. Yeah. And so it, it doesn't look like much is happening, but it's because they've been prepping for a few days ahead. Yeah, so, so they do it really, smartly. They're really, they're super organised. That's the best yeah, way Yeah, definitely. To I mean, it's definitely the best way because like, people do too much on Christmas yeah. Day. So simple is good or, like, prepping is good. And is your mum in charge of the Christmas cake? Uh, she is, yeah. I've never actually been given that role. I've been given the role of like you have to make the mince well, pies. Met, now. I met your mum today. She, did, she, she, told me, she told me. Um, she likes to say that I learned yeah. everything from her, yeah, which is kind did. of true. Uh, but then she will privately say that I overtook her many years ago. Oh, <laughs> but um, the Christmas cake recipe is my nan's, so it's my mum's mum's recipe. Yeah. Uh, and we think it's over 100 years old as a wow. recipe um, and we make it every single year. And she, does she do the whole like feeding it with booze? No, it's and... not that real style oh, of cake. Not that kind of, no, no, it's not It's not one of those heavy, really dark Christmas cakes. It's much more like a Dundee cake. So it's paler, it's cakier. Lots of nuts softer. and Actually, oh, it's, it's kind of texture stuff. of Dundee yeah. without the nuts. Yeah. 
Um, so I really like it because I'm not really a fan of those treacly, rich, alcoholic Christmas yeah. cakes. I find them a bit heavy. That's why I don't like Christmas pudding, really. Yeah. Um, so I really, really like it. But um, there was a period of time where my mum would make one for all of the kids. Kind of except for me, but that's because uh, I would bake one and also I would never eat a whole Christmas cake mm. kind of over the holiday. Um, but I used to kind of take the mick out of it going, huh, so my two brothers got a Christmas cake, well, I didn't. <laughs> uh, but to be honest, I wouldn't really eat it anyway. So what's your, like, so tell me, like, a Chris, a, the, the Kimber Christmas day, how does it how does it roll out? <laughs> I'm just quite interested in how uh, people, what time you eat and so do, do you actually do breakfast sure. or do you just kind of... Uh, on Christmas day, we don't really do breakfast. We will sit down together and have mm. breakfast, but it's um, only really, I think it's only serially kind of stuff there will be books fizz at some right. point as well yeah, of course um, my, just to help oil the wheels of course it's Christmas <laughs> day it's what it's for um, but uh, my parents are religious so uh, they'll go to church in the morning nice yeah um, and then basically after that we will uh, we normally have we have quite a lot of young nephews and nieces now yeah so at Christmas normally these days it's my two little nephews and they're really small cute so it'll be a, ca- a question of like sit down in the early afternoon like lunchtime open some of the presents kind of thing yeah. and then <clears throat> we sit down for like a, a mid-afternoon lunch around yeah. two-ish yeah that's nice um, and then uh, we'll finish kind of presents after that and then everyone falls asleep apart from yeah. me <laughs> the only one left awake so you were telling me before about because um, one of the recipes you've done for us Ooh. is this incredible eggnog custard tart yeah. so it's like a classic custard tart but with booze in it <laughs> I mean you know at Olive we do think that most things can be improved with the I'd addition agree. of a I'd bit agree. of booze yeah I um, would agree so the flavours you've got in there you've got like nutmeg and cinnamon and yeah. vanilla which kind of gives you and, and spiced rum which gives you that eggnog sort of flavour yeah yeah um and you were saying that you had some kind of special eggnog yeah, so, thing that you'd started doing. Yeah, last year I happened to have gone to <clears> a, I think it was a festive cocktail class <clears> at <throat> Colbert Row, which is one of my favourite little oh, bars nice. in yeah, Angel it's a great in London. Bar, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, and the guy who runs it, his cocktails are amazing. I, I love them. And they gave you as like a welcome drink, <clears> like <throat> a tiny shot of um, cider eggnog. And he uses uh, Calvados and Breton cider. Wow. And it was so incredible. I became kind of obsessed. So I bought <laughs> everything I needed to make it and took it home with me and made like two litres of so eggnog. So did they give you the recipe for it? Yeah, they get, they're actually quite good with their recipes. They have a lot of books that the recipes are in. And if you go to a class, they give you all the recipes from that class. So how do you actually make Because I can't Oh, this is going to challenge my memory. Um you can, oh, it's you can just eggs, make it up. Egg, yeah, it's definitely egg yolks. It's eggnog. Uh, it's up. egg yolks, milk, and then it's got cider. It's got um, Calvados. I think there's cream. There's definitely whisked egg whites because it has a slightly frothy oh. flavour. But also, I'm kind of obsessed with the idea of aged eggnog. Um, Americans really like to age their egg. Well, it was a thing a couple of years ago where they started experimenting with aging it for like six months. I don't do that long because... How does that work? Well, because the alcohol kills off any bacteria oh, in the it's, eggs. it's kind of like... Is it like avocado? It's very similar, thing? yeah. So it yeah. has fresh dairy in it, but the yeah. alcohol keeps it stable. Um, it's not suggested you do it that long at home because um, it's harder to control the environment. But in terms but, of like, cook, do you actually cook out the egg no, yolk? No, you don't. Raw. You no, just no, no. whisk it all together. From memory. This is... <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, no we're making this, this up, you know. I, I'm pretty sure it's not cooked. No, I'm pretty sure it's it's not like a custard. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the alcohol preserves it all. So um, it's so good though. Yeah, yeah I will be making some of that again. I mean, year. I love a mulled cider. 
Uh, well, I say I hate mulled wines. So mulled cider is way more cider. my style. Because the thing with mulled wine is it often is it's just too much. Like mm-hmm. you know, it's too heavy. I Everyone think it's like gets smacked in the face with hot butter. wine. It's just not nice. <laughs> you got all these people with like red lips. Kind <laughs> I see. Of I, I love lounging the smell around of it. your living room. And, you know, you're like come on, but cider's great because yeah. you can get you know a, a large bottle of cider and um, jazz it up. And, I re- and, I do really like it. I, I much prefer. And it's cider the right level of alcohol, and you yes. can just add a little tot of rum to it. Yeah, well, I just that, think something that that's that alcoholic yeah. and that strong just tastes a little bit weird to me. It's a bit much, so, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, not a fan of the, yeah. the wine. Um, let's talk about a few other um, recipes you've done. Yes. One, one that I really loved because it reminded me of something that I was obsessed with when I was a kid um, was um, like ice sandwiches. cream sandwiches. Yeah. Because I remember when I was little, I used to love rum and raisin ice cream. Obviously, there's no rum and rum and raisin ice cream. Hopefully, otherwise my parents were a bit dodged, rum flavoring. But, yeah. but rum flakes. So, I love it. So the idea is that you get a normal, really good vanilla, and then and then break in Christmas yeah. purd. So basically, it's a no churn ice cream. So it's yeah. super easy. It's just whipped cream folded through. Oh yeah, a you did it with or, your yeah. Yeah, it's basically it's kind of based on the old Nigella idea. Or well, it's not actually Nigella's idea, but um, it's been around a while, hasn't it? I think ages. we've got one. It's, it's condensed milk and yes, cream. Yes, just condensed milk f- with cream folded through. And the amount of sugar in the condensed milk stops the ice cream from yeah. f- freezing solid. Yeah, so yeah. it actually scoops really nicely. Yeah. And all I did to kind of up the flavour was I mixed in a good chunk of mincemeat into the condensed milk and then fold the cream yeah. through that. And it just gives it... So it's one of those things that if you're not a fan of mince pies or Christmas yeah. pudding, it's those Christmassy flavours but lighter. Yeah. Um, and in ice cream, it just... It tastes so good. Mm. And we've sandwiched them with... Um, a recipe of mine that I've actually not I've been holding back for yeah. years to publish it got an, uh, I love this this is the second Ed exclusive we've got like something you've had in your, uh, well, I was your bottom it, drawer for a long yeah, time yeah I was going to put it in a book and then the, the <laughs> book that I wanted to put it in never kind of came along so it mm. just sat there um, and it's a gluten free cookie that I swear you wouldn't know is gluten free it's so good it's made with buckwheat flour yeah. oat flour and corn flour I think um, and it's so chewy and it's just really really delicious mm. and it's got pecans in there and chocolate and it's just a really delicious cookie regardless yeah. of the fact it's gluten free so you can free. make cookies anyway but the fact yeah. that you've got these guys stashed away in your freezer is <laughs> oh, amazing so as well yeah. so good and it literally is the work of minutes because mm. it's a gluten free cookie dough yeah. you don't have to worry about over mixing it yeah. it doesn't have to rest in the fridge for ages and ages although you <clears> can if you want to make the dough ahead and so they do it's a really nice quick simple dish as well and you mentioned Another one of my Christmas favourites as well, trifle. Mm. Oh my god, how much do I love trifle? Yeah, um, it's my and family's you, favorite. you also did um, the, the dream for cake. me, which is not not put in, yeah. not putting jelly in your. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> wrong. No sprinkles. Remember, no no because, chocolate shavings. Because what I remember at school was like no tin fruit. The the jelly with like oh. bits of sponge set into so it, and actually just makes me cringe now, even Awful. thinking about how horrific that no. is. That's not a trifle. Um, that's like something you buy from the supermarket. Yeah. <laughs> It's gross. <laughs> so Ed's done two for us. The first one you've done is a kind of, it's so cute, like, because you make, you use um, ginger cake, like the Jamaican. The gingerbread one. The classic yeah. Jamaican ginger cake. I love that. Well, it's quite funny because I describe this recipe as a cream bomb. It has <laughs> it really got a lot is. of cream in it. Yeah. But it's so delicious. It's, yeah. it's one of those recipes that if you want that kind of wintry flavour, but you don't want <clears throat> the full on kind of Christmas flavour. Yeah. It's kind of ginger, bits of rum. It's got cardamom custard in there. Yeah. Um, and then it's got kind of, yeah, you are actually using shop-bought gingerbread. It's a really yeah. easy recipe. The only thing you're making yourself is, if you want, the gingerbread decoration, which is like a crisp gingerbread. That's really cute. Which is really cute. It looks quite top. nice. Yeah, yeah, it looks really lovely. And then you're making the custard. The rest yeah. is like an assembly job. Yeah. 
Um, it's, and it's so got delicious. Pears in there. Yeah, it's got pears got some... to lighten up a little bit from all that cream. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's so tasty. It's yeah. so so tasty, and it's really pretty because the, the Christmas trees that you make from the gingerbread, the bought gingerbread, gets stuck onto the outside of the bowl. Yeah, so it's so got, got this, this lovely pattern. decorative thing, and it's yeah. really nice to do something that's slightly different. Yeah, to the, totally. The raspberry trifle that we all yeah, really like love. My, but this is quite nice. And my family love a proper like sherry trifle. Yeah. Like, it's a family thing. It's great. Um, but they would love this. Yeah. This would be a nice alternative. Yeah. But they, they would be. Uh, hell to pay if there was no shared trifle yeah. in our household. People would be, you know, very much told off. But then, on the other hand, I earlier on this year when I was talking to Ed about doing these recipes, I went to you and said, "Can you do us like the <laughs> alternative Christmas cake? Like, let's yeah. not do a normal Christmas cake. Let's do like a mad Christmas cake." And you <laughs> came back with, "I'm going to do a trifle Christmas cake mashup." Yeah, it's which kind is of, one of our back page bakes, and it's so spectacular. It was kind of a weird one because. Um, yeah, sometimes you give me a brief and it's so open. I'm like, oh, what should I do? Yeah. Go crazy. Um, That's but actually, usually my brief. You yeah, know, really is. These crazies, you're like, which <laughs> yeah. with you is it always like? <laughs> Need to pull me back in. Yeah. Um, but sometimes with uh, Christmas briefs, I find it a little mm. bit difficult because you feel you have to be kind of stuck into a zone. Mm. And so I was trying to think of what I could do that still like honouring almost a Christmas classic. Yeah. And so the idea is that it's meant to remind you of trifle. It's not a trifle, but it has some of the same elements. So it has a yeah. sponge, but it's actually sponge, not like a sponge finger. Um, but it has two types. It has a chocolate it's like sponge a and a vanilla sponge. It's a general like, sponge. Exactly it's a whisk it is, yeah. sponge, which means super that light. It, it's super light, but it also like absorbs yeah, syrups so and flavours without getting too wet. Yeah, without too wet, which yeah. kind of... Um, it means actually because there's there's a fair amount of cream on the outside of the cake to kind of give it its decoration. Yeah. So it means that it doesn't feel heavy because the cake is a lot lighter. Yeah. And then we fill it with custard, which always obviously has to be in a trifle. And then it's got lots of berries. It's got kind of like a straw, uh, not strawberry, a raspberry kind of mm. coolie almost. It's yeah. more like a compote. Um, but it's a really really simple dessert. And we've got a sweet sherry syrup in there. There's as a well. sweet sherry syrup yet to give that kind of boozy yeah. element too. And it's the, really I think sim- what's really nice lot. is when you get a forkful and you cut through all of the layers. It, it is does like, remind you of trifle. Yeah. It reminds you of trifle, but it's it's maybe a little bit more sophisticated. I don't know. But yeah, it, I mean we've covered it in proper, glitter, so it's yeah. super. Yeah, we did. Then we then, covered, <laughs> then we then went mad and covered it in glitter. But it is one of those things that you bring to the table and everyone's going to go. Oh yeah, Ooh. definitely. Yeah. It's, it's a, when we did it on the shoot, it looked really really nice, and I'm, I was pleasantly pleased with how yeah kind of sophisticated it looked considering it is a cake covered in cream which can be a little bit hard to make look fancy yeah um but actually it It just it looks really simple but really tasty it does take a little bit of work but it's not difficult i think this is going to be one of the ones that um pops up on all of instagram feed because i think it's an absolute showstopper as you you would say (laughs) but anyway thank you so much for coming and talking to us um I urge everyone to go and get the Christmas issue. Um, so many good. brilliant recipes in there. And um, I hope the, the run-up to Christmas is, is nice and gentle for you. Yes. And, uh, and eat all the drink. Yeah. Uh, eat all the drink. <laughs> no, clearly you had too much of the cider. <laughs> drink all the drink. Eat all the food. Yeah, thanks Merry very Christ. much. And Merry Christmas, Ed. <laughs> Thank you. Feels weird saying that. That's so yeah. far. It's too early. It's still November. Shh. Thank you. Next, I'm at the American Bar with Declan. Hello, so I'm at the American Bar at the Savoy in London that was recently crowned the best bar in the world at 50 Best Bar Awards 2017. And bar manager Declan McGurk is chatting to me about cocktail trends, which cocktail equipment you should have at home, 
and how he, head bartender Eric Lorinks, and the team turned this historical bar into the best bar in the world. So, Declan, hello. Congratulations. Hello. A bit on a come down still from the, from the accolade. We haven't had time. It's been that busy <laughs> since that uh, we've obviously just had to get here, get back behind the bar and make sure that we're doing the right thing by the award. Yeah, I bet everybody wants, wants to chat to you and try the cocktails, yep. don't they? Yeah, of course. Um, so, can you start by telling us a little bit about the history of the American bar? Absolutely, I know it's, it's yeah. It's about 120 years old, isn't it? Well, the Savoy itself opened in 1889. Mm -hmm. The American bar opened soon after the opening of the hotel, but it moved into its current existing status in about 1903, 1904. Okay. Um, that makes us Europe's longest standing cocktail bar. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, being in this same room for such a long time as yeah. well is a very unique situation, uh, yeah. particularly in Europe. So I can imagine with such a rich, long history, with like obviously many famous frequenters, there's a few stories that come out of the bar. Can you share any of those legends? Yeah, of course. Um, we always tell the stories of former guests. Those that are still with <laughs> us, we keep uh, secrets. Um, but um, I know before this interview, you mentioned Frank Sinatra. And I he did. did. He did regularly come into the bar. That's so cool. And um, he would always come in and he would only ever be served by the then head bartender, Joe Gilmore. Right. Now, legend has it that uh, Frank Sinatra um, only ever drank Jack Daniels. However, really? our belief in the American bar is that he would always drink a martini. Right. Rumor has it that the reason he would only drink that here is because he felt that Joe Gilmore made the best martini in the world. Wow. So he would come in here, he would sit on the piano, he would sing Set Him Up Joe, and Joe really? Gilmore would serve him <gasps> his martinis. That's amazing. That's so cool. So I bet he would agree with your recent um, accolade of the best bar in the world. Maybe he'd even <laughs> write a song about it. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I'm just being served a cocktail that I'm gonna hear. We're gonna hear about in a minute. It looks lovely. Thank you. Oh, it smells amazing as well. What's this? Um, what's this smoke? So here we've got a bespoke incense. Oh, wow. Um, I wish everyone could smell it. That acts to... Um, <laughs> Thank you. We Heckles in Margate, they created an incense based around the flavours in this cocktail. Okay. Um, right. And what that is to do is, as you're about to drink this, drink the Black Diamond, that's just going to open up your senses and that's just going to open up what you're about to taste. And oh, it's a bit of theatre as well. Fab, yeah. No, it's brilliant. It smells really woody. It's lovely. Um, so speaking of which um this is quite an innovative cocktail and um obviously you've got so much history but i'd love to know a bit about how you turned this like traditional institution into the best bar in the world really because um i imagine there was a lot of thought that went into that and a lot of hard work yeah absolutely obviously we don't uh, give ourselves the title so it, it's very difficult to say exactly uh, what led to that accolade um, but something we're very passionate about is uh, our approach to the American bar we don't want this to be a cocktail museum so right. we we know that we've got an amazing history but what we don't want to do is that that history being our only selling point so what we try and do is um, we look at all the historical stories we use them as inspiration and we try and write history for the future. Uh -huh. um, and uh, we're very focused on tomorrow, always looking forward. And I like the bar to being classically innovative. And that's our approach. That's great. That's great phrase classically innovative yeah and then you've got a co the coast to coast menu haven't you so when did that that um, went live in april okay so do you think that's what 
what won it for you? <laughs> it's interesting because we've just been reviewing the next menu and I was just doing a presentation about this. Right. Uh, now, uh, Coast to Coast was the menu uh, that was launched during the period that World's 50 Best was announced. So, okay. of course, yes, um, it, 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 you, fingers would point to the fact that it, would a, it was a successful launch. Yeah, one, one of the One of, one the, of the factors, yeah. Um, so, can you tell us quickly a little bit about the menu and how yeah. it's divided up into sections? Yeah, so it's... It's a coast-to-coast journey. Uh, It starts off on the south coast in Kent, the Garden of England. What we do with each area, we stop, though. We don't just talk about the area. We also sort of really go to a specific time period to influence the drinks as well. So, So, like, really using that history that you have. Exactly, because it's not just about the place. It's about the people that make the place as well. So, Kent, the Garden of England's the first section. All those drinks take the style of long and fresh-style cocktails. um, And there's influences such as houses so we have hops in the cocktails because that's really what that area is known for mm-hmm. then you move to the art deco american bar so this is london basically and we thought well where there is the center of london we like to think that this bar is yes. um, so it takes influence from the art deco era all those cocktails are inspired by that era so they're very elegant they're very edgy and that's where a lot of champagne comes into play as well then you move further northward to sherwood forest and sherwood forest shares a similar kind of myth nature, story nature to the Savoy. Um, the drinks themselves are influenced by flavours of the forest. Oh, some subtle savoury notes, some herbal notes. Then you move to the best bit of Britain, the Pennines. <laughs> the backbone of Britain, as my accent uh, gives away. <laughs> now, the, North, so the, the Pennines, um, what the inspiration in that section is the Industrial Revolution and the communities that fueled that. So the cocktail you're having is a black diamond, and this is taken inspiration from the coal communities of the area oh that's so smooth yeah, it's really it's kind of like a boulevardier. So it's rye whiskey, Campari, then a bit of cold pressed espresso liqueur, mm. uh, and uh, smoked tea syrup as well. Oh wow! Yeah, I did. Um, I did say that my favourite cocktails were old fashioned Negroni and espresso martini, and um, this has got a bit of all of that. A mix Absolutely. Of the three. Yeah. <laughs> um, then the last part of the menu is Castle Rock, Edinburgh. That's where the menu takes a real Scotch influence. Um, right. The drinks are of a very very proud nature and scotch whiskey is the dominating force there so as you look at the menu starts off long and fresh it progressively gets a bit stiffer and heavier as you move up northward oh nice a bit like the british weather (laughs) and the people well no not the people (laughs) opposite anyway (laughs) i didn't say that (laughs) so obviously you'll be too modest to say this yourself but imagine that the bartenders and the team have a huge part to play in becoming the best bar in the world so can you tell us a bit about the interview process here? I don't, I don't know if you have to like learn. I, I've, I've heard you have to learn about 250 cocktails off by heart. Is that true? Well, um, the, we wouldn't put a figure on it. I would say that people need to, need to know more cocktails than that because really? we really wow. we don't want to say no to any cocktail. Right, um, yes. We're not here to educate guests and tell them how to drink. We're here to give them a very good experience. And if they have a specific cocktail they want us to make, they will. What we're very passionate about about. Yes, we might have an amazing history. Yes, the building might look beautiful, but it is a people that give, delivers the experience. Yeah. So 
each bartender must have their own like signature cocktail surely I'm, I'm sure you've made thousands and thousands in your time like what what's your signature cocktail would you say yeah when we create a menu it's a collaborative process we all contribute to drink um the drink that you're drinking the black diamond is actually my creation so wow. i would say Thank that you. that would be the drink <laughs> of today for me yeah fab um and then i also imagine you have the very difficult job of traveling the world for inspiration we've just been talking about new orleans haven't we and how that's that's a leading um cocktail destination isn't it there's indeed always, there's it is a, yeah the competition um what's it called tales tales of the cocktail yes. yeah um and which is your favorite bar in the world apart from the american bar of course yeah a <laughs> um, bit of a you know an interesting answer my family all live in fermanagh in northern ireland right. uh, and actually my favorite bar is a bar called the Cayley house um, okay. which is a bar built in a quarry it's by wow. invite only as a bar um, but i think the thing is that i love about um, county fermanagh is it's it's got a very particular hospitality okay. everyone's a storyteller everyone's got a story and also as well um they just know how to give you a good time and that for me is what makes a great bar yeah definitely and and you say by invite only how do we get on the invite list <laughs> like... you, you need to get to know the owner young tom he's called okay. if you go to county for manor and say i need to speak to young tom they'll work out who you mean oh wow love, love. hundreds of people going now exactly and then what about london what's your favorite which is your favorite bar in london apart from again american bar yeah i've um i've got a big love of a relative new bar called Swift. It's, oh, um, I love Swift. Yeah, it's uh, the building itself is very important to me. The old bar there, Lab, um, I think was uh, the modern day London cocktail culture wouldn't be where it is today um, if it wasn't for Lab. Um, and opening a bar there was a big, big challenge right. and Swift have just done a great job. Amazing. Their emphasis is hospitality and the guest experience. The team have such an energy um, and I think it's got that nice blend between a relaxed place to go for a drink or if you really want an intense cocktail experience they'll deliver that at the same time yeah well when I went what was amazing about it is the owners were both there Bobby and uh, one, Mia yeah, yeah one was good downstairs, one was upstairs like just manning the bars and um, it's also great because I included it in our Christmas issue in the best places to eat and drink in Soho and then um, I included that because what I love about it is it's two almost like two bars in one it covers all occasions it is, yeah. so you can go for an aperitif in the the ground floor <coughs> bar and it's a bit more like elegant and then downstairs it's like a whiskey drinking den isn't yeah it? absolutely Bam. and Bobby and Mia they were both here um on Saturday just gone and they brought us a bunch of flowers to say well done for world's oh, 50 so best nice. yeah that's lovely so you see it's like competitive but very friendly very friendly yeah, yeah. <laughs> So you must see some really interesting stuff on in your travels. Um, do you have any cocktail trends to share with us for next year? Because well, we always like to know, like, keep ahead of the game, Olive. Yeah, I, I think there's definitely a few. Sustainability appears to be gaining some yes. momentum. Um, and you're seeing um, there's a bar in Singapore, Operation Dagger, that's making a lot of its communication based around sustainability. That's very interesting. I also think that um, lower alcohol cocktails, lower alcohol drinks right. in general, I think that that's going to get more and more popular i've just seen there's a new beer created in london called small beer right. which is big flavor low alcohol um and i think that these sort of things i think 
are really going to come into the guest experience in 2018. Yeah, oh great. Because was, there's already Ryan from Dandelion. He, they were they were number two um, yeah. on the 50 best bars, and um, he's just opened a place called Cub with Silo. That's right. Yeah. And they focus on a lot of sustainable, um, no waste yeah. drinks and food. So yeah, that, a lot of those are going to be coming about. Then you think it's yeah. quite refreshing, really, if we think that these are trends. They're quite you know there's an almost ethical feel to it all sustainability and then also sensible drinking and looking after yeah. yourself well it's quite nice to know that we're thinking about the planet and ourselves you know like our health yeah. as well as enjoying ourselves and drinking yeah. <laughs> so finally obviously it's great to get out and about and drink in all these amazing cocktail bars but if we want to drink at home i think there's a lot of a lot of people are a bit scared of like making cocktails because there can be a lot of ingredients really intricate recipes and it's quite hard to find the spirits would you recommend any spirits to just have on your cocktail trolley if you happen to have one um at home or just in your cupboard that you know if somebody's coming around last minute you can just whip up something like a negroni or or a cocktail yeah absolutely i think vermouth is uh, <coughs> is a good product to always have in the house uh, and a aperitif italian aperitif wine as well because it's very versatile and you can pair it with many spirits you've got different styles as well you've got sweet you've got dry um and i think you've obviously just mentioned negroni that's a brilliant drink to make at home mm. because it's equal parts and you don't need to be too meticulous in your making of it so yeah. it's a very good drink to it's give as a, <laughs> as a consistent drink. style of drink yeah which italian aperitif would you recommend? i i use, i think that cocky is a very good brand okay. um i think that they you know as a family they have the nice balance between the product the story and the quality of the ingredients they're using and also that consumer approach as well okay and then finally uh, what about any like other ingredients ingredients to complement those spirits and just like mix them up a bit make it a bit more interesting like bitters do you have any that you recommend yeah bitters um i think that the bitter truth range are very very good okay. um german producers online? yeah they're okay. online i'm sure the whiskey exchange would be selling them okay. um but the bitter truth range for me is a fantastic range the key with bitters you have to be careful you don't want to right. use too much because they are bitter Right, uh, and I <laughs> think, uh, yeah, and I think it, your fl- flavors such as orange and grapefruit they go very well with lighter spirits. Okay, and then you want a deeper, darker flavor for your whiskies and things like that. So something like chocolatey. Or... Exactly, a chocolate bitters would work nicely with okay. a rum, for example. Wonderful. So, would you put those in a Negroni? Can you do that um, as well? To... At home, you could. We wouldn't in the bar. Um, okay. For us, a Negroni is gin, vermouth, yeah. and Campari. But it is the sort of twist that you could throw into your home and yeah. I, if I was doing that I would probably put something such as orange bitters okay. because a Negroni typically is garnished with an orange peel yes. which is our bitter orange flavour. Fab, okay, cool. Well, I, you, um, I think you might get the theme that we like Negronis and my yeah. household. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. I could see that. <laughs> well, this is um, a Negroni style drink, is it? The Black Diamond. So yeah, I highly encourage everybody to come and try one of these cocktails. It's amazing atmosphere in here. There's always a, a pianist, isn't there? Yeah, um, seven nights a week, one of our yeah, piano players is here. Well, thank you so much for having us and telling us all about the cocktail trends. And uh, congratulations again. No problem. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you want to get your hands on Ed's recipes, pick up a copy of our stunning Christmas issue in all good supermarkets and newsagents. 
It includes a free Leftovers magazine and, in selected stores, you get a free bar of Green and Black's new Velvet Edition dark chocolate to use in your baking or enjoy as a velvety snack. If you liked this episode, please review and rate us and subscribe on iTunes so we can spread the food and drink joy. For more information, head to olivemagazine.com. But otherwise, we'll be back next week with more food and drink chat. 